My grandma has always said, it's wonderful that you have so many friends, and I agree with her. During the pandemic, I realized how much I miss seeing the people who make my life so bright and interesting, and I wanted to find a way to introduce all of these stars to the world. And so I created this podcast. You, dear listener, will get a chance to be introduced to those who make my world hum with possibility. We will talk about serious things, silly things, sad things, glorious things, and things that make us feel alive. So settle in. It's just you and me. So hello and welcome to my dear friend Moria. What I'd love you to do at first is tell us who you are and how do you and I know each other? Okay, great. Uh, hi, my name is Moria Orr, and I know Julie as one of the first people I met when I moved to Chicago. Um, even before I moved, I met her at the interview for placing her as an administrative assistant at the Interfaith Youth Corps, and then we worked together for like three years. I think three or four years, yeah. Because when did you leave? At right after Chuck. A little after Chuck, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't leave. I think I was there for at least a year because I left in 2011. Yeah, I left in I left in 2011, but at the very beginning of it. Yeah, and I was I left in August. Oh yeah, because oh right, because Chuck left because he was my like secret um reference for graduate school. Oh nice. And I remember getting in. And, and then he left like a couple of weeks after that or something. I don't know. And then I left in August, but I was basically just coasting for like three months. He was also <laughs> my for grad school. And then I left. Really? Was yours secret too? Or was yours, did you tell? <laughs> no. How do you, how would you describe yourself? Oh, Any way you uh, want. Yeah, uh, that's tough. Um, yeah. I guess who I see myself really as is uh, someone who is always seeking knowledge of any kind. Um, and I'm yeah. not, not I'm, notice I say seeking knowledge and not necessarily truth um, because I think that's- Interesting. What, yeah, tell me the differentiation. How do, you differ, how, do you, how do you make the difference between those two? I, facts are facts. Um, mm -hmm. I, I am much more interested in people's belief systems and uh, their belief routines. So, and like kind of what makes them them. And that's not always based in truth. I mean, and like I said, facts are facts. And so I think those just, I don't, they're not boring. Facts are cool. <laughs> but right. uh, um belief systems knowledge and belief systems have their own personality to them yeah i guess does that make sense yeah. there's not a lot of nuance in fact like fact is just there right like there's no yeah nothing, there's no feeling there's no emotion there's no wiggle right. room yeah okay right. facts are triscuits or melba toast <laughs> i haven't thought of melba toast okay in so long what would you what would you say uh, knowledge is then in the snack realm? 
in the snack realm avocado toast or is that like <laughs> dating myself? it's delicious it's delicious so speaking of avocado which although i know it probably isn't going to fit into the conversation <laughs> i asked everyone what they wanted to talk to me about and you said native plants yeah and my response was what so i want you to tell me first of all what does that even mean when you say native plants? And then what does what does that mean to you in your life? Like where do where do native plants have anything to do with who you are? I know, kind of out of left field, but so na native plants are what we probably would commonly consider weeds. Mm. So when you move into a new home and it's got a bunch of dandelions, yeah, and goldenrod, and you're frustrated because you can't get them all out of the yard, those are native they've been in you know um this area or, or uh oh and tell us where you are sorry that that's oh, really important so in the horticulture world i'm in zone 5b okay what is that uh, mean? <laughs> uh i'm in the illinois prairie area just south of chicago okay um, yeah and so uh, uh 5b means that's the uh, the amount of frost free months that we have for planting. Oh. So roughly, a, yeah. roughly about five, a little more than five months for frost-free planting. So so it's an area like where I live, you know, in North Carolina, would, would we be 12 or 11? Because we don't really, I mean, I guess we do frost. Huh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to I think about that. Okay. I, think you're like, I think you're more like an eight. Oh. I mean, I guess that makes sense because it does get cold here. I think I think of frost and I think of snow and that's absolutely not right. Yeah, and there are like hard, you ever hear people say it's a hard frost? Hard frost. Yeah. So there's like a, where the morning, when you wake up in the morning and your grass is all uh, uh, jack frosted. Yes. Do, uh, frozen do. Yeah. That, um, that is a soft frost, but a, okay. A hard frost is when it starts to penetrate into the ground. I got it. Okay. Anyways, I'm going to keep derailing you because I'm fascinated. So you, yeah. live, in, you live in 5B. 5B, which, uh, and, and that doesn't account for then like microclimates. So mm -hmm. what accounts for microclimates would be the fact that I am roughly about 20 miles from Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. We have, which um, heavily influences the weather around here. And then, in, you know, Chicago itself is like a little radiator. Yeah. So that also affects, so people who live closer to the city will actually have a different climate uh, than where, where I live. So right. things like mountains and rivers, that all affects your growing zone. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. <clears throat> all right. So go Why ahead. do you care? Why do you care about that? this uh after college <laughs> i went and i worked uh -huh. on this farm off-grid yeah. farm and um i loved it and i hated it mm. and uh i kind of forgot about it and i moved on with my life and then when i had my daughter seven mm. and a half years ago i realized mm -hmm. that uh the things that i loved growing up like forests and fields and sand dunes yeah were much yeah. more endangered for her and that mm. a lot of things that uh 
I loved, she would not be able to relate to because they just wouldn't exist. So, and I I think too, moving to the suburbs, I was like, I'm going to be a gardener. But aside from working on that farm, which sounds like, you know, a lot about growing stuff, I didn't, I knew more about livestock than I did about crops. Okay. Okay. So I decided to go and learn about growing. And as I learned about growing, I learned about conservation. Mm. Right. And then it, gets, then it gets scary. Then it gets scary. Cause then we talk about agricultural land yeah. is diminishing. Population is growing. How are we going to feed everybody? And then that's mm-hmm. when I started to get into things like permaculture, which is permanent agriculture. It's best mm-hmm. used when using native plants and being able to grow your food in your lawn. So we have things that are called like food forests and food lawn. Basically, that means mm-hmm. anything you plant is edible either to you or to the wildlife in your area. Okay. And in some ways, would you say this is, I'm assuming, going back to how native peoples that you know lived on our land before we stole it from them yeah. used the land. Is that, is that correct? Okay. <laughs> because they have a very cyclical ideal you know their whole perception is is circular uh and so whenever they take something they pay it back or they replenish right so if they're if they're killing fish in the ocean then they plant the fish in the ground to kind of like feed mother earth and um right permaculture is very much and and native plant growing and conservation is very much about using other things other than chemicals to uh, fertilize um, and, yeah. and that, or even beneficial like insects to ward off other pests and disease that could hurt your crops. Yes. So how, so on a micro level, how, mm-hmm. how is this coming about in your life right now? Like, have you, have you started to do things that um, you're, you know, you know, you're, you're, you are an urban farmer or what does that look like for you? Well, qualification wise, I have, a I am, uh, taking the master gardener, oh. master naturalist, uh-huh. master urban farming, master composter, conservation at home courses all through the Illinois extension office. Okay. And what that means for me initially is to set up my own growing um a food and teaching my daughter how to kind of know how her food where her food comes from you'd be amazed because when i was working on the farm i was amazed at the kids Mm -hmm. who would come on the farm and had like never met a cow yeah (laughs) yeah no idea where they're like kids for real things that vegetables are grown like in the back of the supermarket yeah yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a, I so enjoy you, it. So, that's great. So you do enjoy it. So wh- where do you, where do you even start then with teaching your daughter? Well, here's, it's interesting. You actually start with respecting yeah the microorganisms and insects that live in the ground, in the soil. And you understand that soil is a habitat for 
billions of um, organisms. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you know, I teach her how to respect ants, worms, bees, that we don't pour chemicals onto the ground. Yeah. That's first and foremost, you know, and then we talk about, you know, what would benefit us, but what also benefits the birds. So for instance, outside of our house, uh, we have a tree. It's really yummy. The little berry, their berries are about the size of a cranberry. They're not tart like cranberries. They're okay. almost okay. a mix between a grape and an apple. Oh, and they're really yummy. Um, and the birds also think that. Okay. <laughs> so that's the best kind of plant. You like it and the animals like it. Yeah. Because I was, we, you know, one thing that I also got from all these classes is that, yeah, grow what you want, but also grow what will attract the wildlife that you want to see. So if you love hummingbirds, then you're going to have to grow plants, not just put out some sugar water, but you're going to have to grow plants that will attract those hummingbirds. Right, right. So what is, so around your home, what did you intentionally, have you intentionally planted because you love the, you know, the, the animals or the birds that, that come to them. Yeah. I, there are three main plants that I've focused on in the last uh-huh. uh, year. Um, white, one is called a white fringe tree. It's um, I love lilacs. They smell oh. like lilacs, but yeah. lilacs are not native to this area. And so I wanted to be true to growing things, but I also wanted maybe the sense and the colors that introduced plants have been around when I've grown up. So a white fringe tree is a replacement, a native replacement for a lilac. And um, birds love it. They love the berries that come off of there. Mm-hmm. I also planted a coral honeysuckle, wow. which will attract the, they kind of look like trumpet flowers they, yeah. and those will attract the hummingbirds. Yeah. And then I just planted pawpaw trees in late summer and uh have you heard of the pawpaw i mean it's one of those things where i've probably seen them but i have no idea what they're you know like i i probably could be like oh i've seen that tree before but i don't know if i could say like and it's a pawpaw tree (laughs) (laughs) yeah no they're they're super skinny and super tall okay they really skinny trees i've never actually eaten pawpaw but i did plant it so oh. here's hoping that I enjoy it. Yeah. What, is, um, what do they produce? They produce the fruit. Is there a fruit that they produce? The berry? Yeah. Or? Okay. Things that are like the size of maybe a small mango. Oh. And um, they're called banana custard fruit trees. They're the only tropical native tropical tree to this area. Okay. So I it sounds like you got really into this because because you moved to the suburbs and you thought to yourself, I'm going to have a home garden. Mm-hmm. And what, what did you, did you go, I mean, you're very intelligent. Like, did you go into it knowing a lot or did you, were you just like blown away by the things that you learned? And maybe what are, what are some things that you were like, are you kidding me when you learned them? Uh, no, I didn't know a lot. Okay. In, I mean, my mom's garden, my entire life, like I said, yeah. I worked farm um and I still came away completely ignorant and naive to to how to grow something Mm. um 
don't tell anybody, but I totally used Roundup the first time we moved in here. So, well, I'm unfortunately this is going to be in a podcast. So, ah, man. Um, hopefully, hopefully only a couple people listen will listen, <laughs> or maybe I can beat that out. It could just be like wrap up. <laughs> I use blood on my yard. It could be anything. <laughs> But that's what we're, but that's what we're culture. I don't know, man. I mean, this is, this just gets into the whole, like my whole problem with just the world in general is just like how, how culture, how, how the way we grow up, whatever, like just instills these certain things in us. And we don't think any, anything of them, right. Until you start investigating. And then you're like, wait a second, why is X, Y, Z the norm? And I mean, and I know that I'm talking about roundup specifically, but you know, this is the sort of thing where it's like, we don't think of those innocuous things, but in some ways they're they're vital. Julie, if you tell me that both are bad for my health, I'm gonna be really upset. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us tell me what you what you learned. Like what are some things that you were like, oh my God? What is a roundup? Yeah, one of the, the coolest things I actually learned, oh man. You know, when you're like nerding out and you're like super excited to tell someone, but you're also a little fearful, like they're not <laughs> going to yeah. join. Okay. Yes. yes. Trimming trees. I find that fascinating. But well, tell us more. What, what does that okay. mean? You? Okay. So, um, uh, you trim a tree. Yeah. Usually you should only trim it in the winter, uh, because you don't want sap to run out of the trimmed ends of a of a bush or shrub or a tree and okay. uh, attract insects okay uh, you want to trim away anything that is a co-dominant branch which means if you did the peace sign you notice your fingers are like the same width yeah that would be a problem for a tree you'd want to trim one of those branches you only want one oh. branch oh it's like so mathematical Wow. I know it's, a, it's aesthetically pleasing, but also there's math involved. But like in the forest, I wouldn't assume that there's much trimming going on or is it a natural, like our branches. Okay. If there's like that instance you were just talking about with the, the mm -hmm. dunk, would you say co-dominant? Co-dominant. Yeah. Dominant. So like what happens to like my middle finger of my peace sign if it's like the bat if it's like the one I want to go away but I'm in a forest does that tree uh, like eventually kind of like does that branch like die off no that's a it's a great question um in the forest it's not as big of a deal because there's no one living in a forest there's no uh -huh. house there's no car that could be damaged okay so, okay when we talk about co-dominant branches, we're talking yeah. about who's taking on all of the wind force when oh, okay. wind or hail comes through. Okay. And uh, in, the, okay. in the suburbs, that's different because one mm -hmm. of those branches or both of those branches are going to break because they, they can't carry the load and mm -hmm. then your house gets smashed and then your car is okay. going to get So this is, this is because of humans that there is this there is this shift in needing to prune and needing to make sure that there's safety involved when it comes to uh plants yes yeah okay. and and okay. i think too, you're you know for if you're gonna look more into native plants you're gonna keep hearing 
you said something, this is because of humans. You're going to hear a lot yeah. of arguments about, well, the introduction of non-natives is because of humans and pesticides is because of humans and our wildlife are, you know, are because of humans. Mm -hmm. And here's the message of hope mm -hmm. is that mm -hmm. we made some mistakes, mm -hmm. but we can totally be the ones to reverse them. Yeah. We have that power and we have that knowledge. So we are not, not so far gone in all of your learnings. You're the master of many things at this point. Mm -hmm. You <laughs> do not feel that we're too far gone. No, I don't. Huh? I don't. Okay. Oh, our, our soil. I was nervous about that pause. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm sure a lot of people would argue with that. But. Of course. Yeah. Soil. Um, science is becoming bigger and bigger all mm -hmm. the time. Uh, we're finding okay. out holds uh, answers to like anti-depression and um, better health and maybe cure for mm -hmm. cancer or diabetes. Like the answers are in the soil. And because we're learning more and more about it every day, all the time, mm -hmm. uh, and, and creating that healthy soil doesn't really take a lot. It doesn't take a lot of money. Yeah. It doesn't take a ton of time. It just takes a little work, a little setup. Uh, I think when you start from that point, um, yeah, I think we can do a lot in a year, in five and 10, 20 years. There's yeah. a lot to reverse if we start mm -hmm. there. And is it already happening? Oh, yeah. It's, it's really wow. exciting. <clears throat> Um, you're seeing a lot more industries, a great example of, uh, of this is with, uh, cattle ranchers mm -hmm. are, um, finding their niche within, uh, regeneration of soil because the ruminating animals like cattle or buffalo really help that soil regenerate to be something healthy yeah. because what they eat and how they process it and how they take care of their waste, which is they just leave it on the ground. Yeah. And so uh, cattle ranching is is embracing this, mm -hmm. uh, which is great. You know, I think they've taken the brunt of blame. Okay. Worthy or not worthy. And uh, I, I just see that they're they're like, okay, we're gonna help however we can. We're not gonna get rid of our business, but we're gonna try mm -hmm. to make it better. Yeah. Wow. I also think that public pressure, I mean, I think so many people, even, you know, someone like me who has no idea what's going on, but doesn't like deny that climate change is, I, I, I believe in climate change, right? Which is yeah. the most crazy thing that you have to like say out loud, right? That you have a, <laughs> have a belief in this, um, like it's some sort of thing that you couldn't believe in, right? But I, do you see that there's there's public pressure too with with people and with especially companies changing changing the way that they are doing things and industries shifting so that there's more yeah. um, conscious you know productions. I don't know. I mean, yes, absolutely. Because if you think about think about Jewel twenty years ago, Jewel Asco, Jewel. The jewel, the as many people call it. <laughs> the jewel. I'm going to the jewel. Jewels. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, 20 years ago, would there have yeah. been 
um, a health food aisle with like cage-free eggs. No, I don't think so. No, so uh, definitely the buyer has a lot of pressure on those. Yeah. And it, maybe they, you know, it's a great way to like kind of mark up your product and sell it for a little bit more, but yeah. it's half. Yeah. What about the hip, what about the hipsters who um, get beehives and they put them on their roofs or whatever in Brooklyn? Is that a, yeah. good, thing? Is that a good thing? Absolutely. I mean, it's not good if you, if you don't have the right bees, don't enter <laughs> the wrong bees. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I would say that's, I mean, if, because a lot of times those beekeepers are also having to plant pollinating, pollinating gardens yeah. for those bees. Right. Right. And because so they can't make yeah. honey magically, they have to. <laughs> they're, uh, they're making honey out of pizza crusts. <laughs> Artisanal, or maybe like, maybe the, all of the craft beer. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> honey beer. Oh, that's mead. That is mead. You're right. That is mead. That is mead. If only, if only bees could make their own mead and we could skip <laughs> the whole process. Maybe that's, maybe that's what's next for you. And so that's, that's actually what I'm curious about, you know, so I asked a little bit about like micro, you know, you talk about your daughter and on a macro level for yourself, like where do you see yourself living in this conservation, you know, pro native plant knowledge world. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if you and I ever talked about how my dream was always to, to buy a farm. No. Oh gosh, really? We've never talked about it, but I, th I am not surprised at all. Okay. Well, that's not happening because, you know, Eddie, Eddie has told me straight up, he's not leaving the Chicago area because he will miss the pizza too much. But, but doesn't Chicago area really reach quite far into the potential farmlands of Illinois? I mean, I'm just, I'm just, you know, trying to create a scenario for you. Yeah. Unfortunately, the urban farm movement is not sustainable um, the way, as yeah. the, the way that it is built right now. Land is way too expensive for these yeah. farmers to hold on to their leases. Yeah. A lot of times they'll get a government grant to do a, um, like a test site for their farming and it's going great, you know, and if without that grant, they're just not going to make it. So the only answer, um, really, if we're going to talk about long-term, uh, food justice, right. And you talk about things yeah. like, um, food deserts and, yeah. and whatnot. Uh, yeah is uh is that people grow this food around their home on the top of their house in the front of their house in the back of their house wherever they can on their balconies mm -hmm. it's really that we're going to um have successful urban agriculture yes. so for me in the future um it's just teaching people because yeah. i think the biggest the biggest hurdle for anyone wanting to do any kind of food growing is just doing it. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying. You're investing knowledge and money and time. And when you grow your radishes and they don't turn out the way you want, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking. But that first time that you grow something and it's successful, 
this an addiction. So absolutely. Absolutely. I want to be, I want to be a handholder for people who are like, should I put the arugula seeds in this way? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) that looks great. You're doing an awesome job. And where do you see, you know, education of kids in this? Right. Like what, like how can, cause I feel like that's another thing too, is that if you shift generationally, mm-hmm. it's almost like, a, like, it's just assumed that that's just how you live now. Right. Like, yeah, well, yeah, definitely um, reaching out to the kids is my big thing. So I do volunteer with like a high school nearby Andrew high school uh, mm-hmm. in Tinley park mm-hmm. with the green team and that's totally inspirational to me. And I'm even working with my, my daughter and I'm hoping to work with her Girl Scout troop yeah. is because if you grow, okay, kids don't like, let's say kids don't like bell peppers, mm-hmm. but if they grow it and they love it and they yeah. look after it, yeah. that's going to taste so much better yeah. to them when they start to taste it. Mm-hmm. And if you just make it second nature of like, okay, it's springtime. We're going to plant our leafy greens. Just having like, uh, it's, it's called a cut and come again salad bar. Okay. Where you plant, you can do this inside too on a windowsill. Mm-hmm. You get a, a long planter, you plant your leafy greens, you cut yeah. what you want. It grows a little bit more. You come back and cut some more and it just keeps growing and propagating. But if you make that just a part of their everyday life, like, okay, set the table and can you go cut the salad? (laughs) It sounds so simple, but it actually, it, that sounds like something that, again, it's my whole thing is you have to change your entire kind of, not your entire, but like your, the way in which you interact with the world, right? Because if you don't do that consistently, if you don't have a garden to, be conscious of, right? It's really easy just to go to the grocery store and pick up and, you know, just assume like these mushrooms were grown in the back. I, I think food is going to become much more expensive and mm-hmm. that will probably be a determining factor for a lot of people to start their own gardens. Now we saw with um, quarantine, coronavirus quarantine was that people had the time to yeah. do the garden that they wanted to do. But I'm talking about on a much smaller level where time isn't so much a factor. Yes. So, but I do think that things that we enjoy, they're gonna start to get more expensive because the land is gonna get more sparse. Uh, They'll be coming from further distances. So um, you will have to change your lifestyle, Mm -hmm. but it's, I don't know. We all used Brita filters for a long time because we all thought our water was horrible. You change. We all change. Right. Yeah. We all got. We all got Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) We don't miss going to Blockbuster. Right. We got used to phones that are basically baby computers. Mm -hmm. Now we can't imagine not having that. So yes, I mean it's. I do believe that that change is is possible. I just wish, I don't know, I wish it was an app that you could, maybe that's part of it too, is there's you know, <laughs> ways, to, ways to trick people into, into loving, I mean, you and I love being outside, so that's another thing that like, 
I, I can't understand people who don't like to be outside. It's a choice for them. It's kind of like bananas. I don't like bananas. Other people do. Yeah. But I feel like outside is a little less like a banana. Mm -hmm. So much more enjoyable. I, I don't know. Do you feel like though we're having a little bit of a backlash with all this technology? I, you know, and and just to give like a just some backstory here before I started really getting into gardening, I was running a program out of Columbia College where I was teaching kids about art and media integration. And so technology was a part of my everyday life. And I quickly realized that uh, kids don't need help really learning about technology. They've mastered it before we've mastered it. Right. But what kids, you know, and they were creating their own etiquette and that's a whole different issue. Um, but that kids' lives were so saturated. There's a, a white paper study, like kids get on average 10 hours of media input a day. Oof. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's video games, that's TV, that's their Elmo boards, their smart boards in the classroom. Yeah. Technology, like so saturated into their lives. They don't really need any more help with te technology. <laughs> I think I was just trying to um, figure out what's the, and this is not a pun, but I'm just going to use the word carrot to get people to want to grow their own things, right? And and I do think, I don't know, like I, I'm wondering if after <sighs> we are vaccinated and you know, back into the world, yeah. it's going to look different. But I, I do wonder if if people are going to turn to not wanting to do as much technology because these past nine months, and, you know, it's looking to be at least probably a year, right. um, have been so oversaturated with yeah. the you only wait. way so many people, I mean, even if you have a household full of, full of you know, know your family you still are only the only way that you're interacting with anyone is via the screen right which yeah. is thank thankfully I'm so glad but I'm also like so over <laughs> it's just like I don't I just want to it's so funny like I mean we're doing this without seeing each other but like people will say like hey can we do a phone call and I'm like or can we do a zoom call and I say to them like can we actually just do a phone call because I don't I want to see your face, but I'd actually rather just like kind of zone out and just be in this conversation versus I lie down without you having to look up my nose. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to look nice. You can wear whatever you want. No pants. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't have kids. So, you know, I don't know. I can only assume from what I, what I, what I see interacting with my friends and their kids. Um, uh, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see when they get to be our age. Cause, cause I mean, we're the weirdos that didn't have any of this when we were young and thank God, like I oh, don't have no. any sorrow for, for not having, you know, social media in any capacity when I was young. Or that there's like, I'm so no, no, there's no digital paper trail of like no. our missteps when we're younger. Right. 
Right. Thank God. I mean, I have hilarious like video footage of me when I was being a weirdo, but like, you know, I think, I just think because, you know, and I have, I have such like anxiety and like want for everyone to like me and mm-hmm. at least now, now as like an adult, I mean, I can verbalize that, but I still have it. But as like a 17 year old or 15 year old, when I was like pining after someone and seeing them interact with another person on social media would have just been devastating. You know, just all this stuff. Yeah. Man. Anyways, we're getting so off topic. I know. Um, I was going to say you are pretty awesome. I tried for years for you to be my best friend. (laughs) (sighs) I understand. So one thing I do want to ask you is how, if, if for me, how do I, what do I do if I want to like learn about this and like get involved? Like what, like, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like what, like, what do I do? I would look at your fridge and look at your produce. Okay. Yeah. And look at the thing that you buy the most. Uh-huh. Go buy those seeds and a pot and some dirt mm-hmm. and grow it. Okay. And then see how much money you save, but also just how much it tastes better. Yeah, right. Okay. And start with one plant. Yeah. Don't don't decide that you're going to grow the entire produce section <laughs> the jewel. Yeah. You will hate it and never do it again. <laughs> one plant. <laughs> Okay, great. And then if there are, I'm assuming there's always spaces within um, either the, the state or okay. the city or your, t- your town. Tax, everyone's tax money. Yeah. No matter what state you're living, everyone's taxes goes to a public university mm-hmm. that will have a, an extension office. Yeah. Call them. They're okay. just... I volunteered for that desk. We're just sitting out, sitting, chilling out. We're looking at pictures of bugs. <laughs> We're waiting for you to call us to ask about crap. <laughs> call you them. Be a commercial for one extension. <laughs> waiting for you. This We're right here. <laughs> ask us anything. AMA all the time. Call your extension office. Say, do okay. I need fish emulsion for my tomato plants? And they will know the answer. Yeah, because they know the soil of where you yeah. live. That's that's a great point too, is that when you call an extension office, those people are your neighbors. Yeah. Uh, they're county yeah. by county. So they know where okay. your, what your soil is like. They've done tests of your soil, of your uh, environment. Yeah. So those are really the best. Yeah, you can follow people on Twitter and you can follow YouTubers. That's great. But they're not the people who live in your neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So now we've come to the point in our show where you get to ask me a question. It does not have to do with, I mean, it could certainly have to do with plants, but I'll probably just say I have no idea. Um, but any, any. Any question that you want, I've been I've been calling this my moment of vulnerability. So, um, yeah, uh, it's a selfish question. I love it. 
do you ever see yourself coming back here? <laughs> and when you say here, what do you mean? The Chicago area. Yeah. It's funny because I'm actually, I'm sitting at my desk right now and I'm actually looking, they have a, um, I have an old print of this woman from like the, and probably from the six, early 60s uh, with her, her skirt is blowing up and she's walking down the Magnificent Mile and she's walking past the Art Institute. And um, it's very windy, uh, you know, our city. Um, I think what I've realized is that Chicago is always going to be the city that I fell in love with. Like when I felt, when I, when I think about like areas and cities, like that was the first place that I was an adult, that I was by myself, that I kind of got to grow into, you know, who I started to become. <clears throat> and so in that sense, there's like really, really a special, um, relationship that I have but mm -hmm. I just every time every time I go back the I, I I there's a little bit of that that gets lost every time mm -hmm. and I think I think that um I there's a lot of things that I struggle with with um with the Chicago area I think that I'm still trying to really um <clears throat> understand uh, like who I was when I was younger and my upbringing, but not like from like a, a micro, like my family, but more of like the, my environment. Okay. And, um, how privileged that was and insulated, which was wonderful. But, but I think I have had experiences that have really, um, distance me <clears throat> from that and from even wanting to be near it at this point. Um, and so I think that the, my long-winded response is no. Um, if there was an amazing, I mean, I've always said like, if uh, the Obama foundation had some amazing job, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I mean, I never say never to absolutely anything, but I, Chicago, unfortunately, is not in my short list of places, um, but I miss it. Yeah. No, no. You know, what's interesting is that as you're saying this, I just remember how much you, God, it's so cheesy to say this, how you blossomed when you went to Colorado. Right. And like, you were so. That's, that's like where, I, that's my place. I mean, that's, Colorado is you know, the, the, the one, the place that like, it's like Chicago, it started in Chicago, but then like, I really feel like I felt like I was, I mean, I don't feel like I wasn't seen in Chicago, but I felt like who I was, was really, really welcomed in mm -hmm. Colorado in a way that I had never felt like in my life. And I had always, I had always felt like I needed to prove something to someone or, um, you know, be a certain way at work or whatever. And like, I never felt that way, that way. Now I do, I'm very rational though. And I do understand that like, I went to graduate school in Colorado. Right. So like it was three years of 
my entire world getting blown open. Yeah. Um, and I've never actually lived there like an adult. Right. Like, I mean, I was an adult, but like, I was like, you know, I didn't have a job. I was just going to school and, you know, learning and meeting new people. And so it, I always wonder like what, when I go back and I'm like an adult <laughs> and I have to like, you know, make money and like live, right. Like, will, will I still feel that same yeah. I did. And I really truly think that I will because I think that the community, the the communities that I created in Colorado um are just so sustaining to me that like I I don't really I don't really fear that. But I do feel that way about Chicago. Like I think that that's that part of my life is over. Get that. I kind of get that. Yeah. Um so yeah, so that's the uh, the disappointing news of the day. Oh, I mean, it's 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 disappointing, but it's more exciting than disappointing. I think because you definitely know what works for you at this point and what doesn't, and that's yeah. that's the awesome part. Right. Never mind my tears that you can't see. <laughs> you know what? No. Use them to water your garden. <laughs> it's too much saline. Plants ah. like. It's always something. It's always <laughs> something. Well, I um, I think think the only thing I want to add with this is if you if you had to say something that you are excited about when it comes mm. to ecology, when it comes to conservation, what would that? Let, let's end with this. What would your what would one thing that you would say that you're just really kind of excited about? Oh man, that kids are awesome. And they're not afraid to nerd out about the what they want to do for the planet yeah. and uh, how they want to save it. Yeah. Oh, cool. You know, they spend their time um, talking about Greta and not so much about new kids on the block. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I don't think that you probably ever realize this, but you are also someone that is motivating them maybe not on a Gretel level but you know the day-to-day -day and the and the conversations and the ability to be a resource not only to people you know that are in our age but also to kids is such vital and important work and so I hope you know that I have a feeling that every single kid that comes in contact with you is like that woman knows what she's talking about and I want to be more like her so oh thanks Julie you're welcome you're so hoping Here's hoping they get something out of what I say instead of like, well, you know, that's what we can all hope for. But I just, I just know because you're just, your warmth and your care is always comes through. So I am so grateful to have you in my life. Um, I'm sorry I uh, failed the best friend test, apparently. <laughs> that was, that ball was totally in your court. You know, yeah, I think we're, we're both better for it. You know, you, you gave me the wisdom that you did. And, uh, I will always cherish that. And then I just leave. I it's like Santa. No, I'm sitting here thinking though. I was like, man, Julie is very um you're transient. You're 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 able to it's I don't know if you realize you how it's everywhere like Jesus. Yeah, well, that you're comfortable, that you make a home wherever you go. Like 
Yeah. You're very good with uh, making anything anywhere homey with your little tchotchkes and your personality. Oh yeah. This is a tchotchke party in my life. Well, <laughs> I, I thank you for, for seeing me and listening and being here. And um, I look forward to the next time that, that we can talk. Okay. Yeah, me too. Happy early Great. birthday. All right. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. <laughs> Bye. I am so lucky to know such incredible, thoughtful people. And I thank you for listening. Come back soon for another episode of It's Just You and Me. <laughs>